now it's like whatever hour it is in the morning. I'm like, we hate to tell you this, but your boy's got cancer. And yeah, that was fucking, fucking well changed, mate. This week, we sit down with Cam Campling, or as he is otherwise known to us, Quadzi. Quadzi is an Australian track cyclist and Masters Games sprint champion. In 2017, he was one-third of the world record-breaking sprint team, for which the record still stands, smashing the previous record. Cam is also a father to three kids, one of whom was diagnosed with terminal cancer at just 18 months of age. This episode's in two parts the first of which we explore Cam's journey on the bike, how he came to be a Masters champion, and just how important cycling has been as an outlet throughout his life. We then dive into the extremely difficult situation of having a son diagnosed with terminal cancer at such a young age, and just how he and his family navigated this unimaginable situation. But first, a message from our sponsors, who make this podcast for the working class possible. Quotespec is the newest building and construction quoting app created and designed by a working builder. Produce job-winning professional quotes in minutes with Quotespec's cloud-based quoting software. Get your free trial today at www.quotespec.com and be prepared to get your life back. You Do it. We're recording. Thanks, Rossi. <laughs> Welcome to episode eight of One Twenty Grit, Trademarks One Twenty Grit, a, a podcast for the working class. Today we've got a very, very special guest here, actually a world record holder on the bike, a fella that we met through uh, Skills Tech Queensland, Cam Campling. Mate, welcome to the show. Mate, pleasure. Thanks for having us. Welcome, mate. Do you ride over here? No, mate, not today. I've been on the back on the, on the bike this morning. That's disappointing. Enough. I was actually thinking that you would have. Hopped on the treadling and... Kids on the shoulders. Yeah. Had a trundle. Yeah, yeah. No, pass. You are a world record holder though. I am. I am. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, I was lucky enough to uh, get that done in 2017 with a couple other Queensland riders. So what's left then? You've pretty much... You've peaked. I have, mate. I have. I've done. I've peaked. I've retired. <laughs> oh, God. That's it. I'm out. I'm just a bloody, you know, mammal now. Oh, no. Just a knockabout. Just a knockabout has been. Yeah, right. So how long have you been riding for? Uh, honestly, mate, since ever, probably started started racing BMX as a kid. Western Jumping Sydney. gutters, Jumping gutters, Western Sydney. Yeah, Bass Hill, mate. I used to I used to rain from. Nice. Was my, uh, I'm in a West. That was my home track. In a West. In a West. Okay. Burwood. Burwood. Right. Yeah. Well, we used to venture out to Minto sometimes as Ooh. well. It's a pretty wild track out there. I didn't go out there. I, I would have got rolled if I went out that way. Yeah. Well, it's funny, mate. When we were down there in sixteen for um for nationals, uh. I got back to the Bass Hill Mall and it was unchanged from when I was there in 86. <laughs> yeah, like, right. like, like the little, you know, the little coin things you chuck in and the, and the, coin, oh, yeah. the coins do spin around. It's one of those in the Man Isler Airport, isn't it? No, we, Roma. We know those well. Yeah, they're <laughs> hilarious. They're the yeah. best, mate. I would have thought Bass Hill now would have been pretty cranking, pretty, you know, upper no, class. No, no, not at all. It's with, exactly the same with as With the way Sydney's sprawling out yeah. to the west. No, mate, I think it's um, exactly as it was. It just costs a million bucks to live there now. Lovely. So, what? Uh, so, started to develop the the cycling stuff later teens, is it? Or you had a break for? Yeah, a while. I had a break, and I was riding the mountain bike for a while. And I um, I met this I met this girl along the way who ended up being my partner for like probably 
13 years now, two kids later, and we're still going. We're not married, but we're still going. Mm. Love and life. But um, she actually used to be a, um, a cycle courier in London, right? That's and a cycle courier. Oh, just like, you know, like a, like a courier with a backpack, and they're, they're taking letters and parcels to and from buildings yeah, right. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, just doing it on a bike. Yeah, it's nice. big in London. It was, it's huge in the States and in, in the bigger cities. Yeah. Big in, big in Sydney. Um, not so big in Brisbane because we just don't have the, the population to warrant it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, so she was into that. And so I was coming around on my, my hardtail on my mountain bike and she had this, like, well, effectively it was a track bike. And, you know, I wasn't familiar with them at the time. I was like, what's with this bloody skinny tire bike you're riding? And she sort of introduced me to this this track bike scene, of which is a huge scene worldwide. Um, and there's a, there's, a, there's a massive underground seat for, for, for guys and girls racing track bikes with no brakes on, on the street, which is... Bloody bonkers, mate! Like riding around with no brakes. It's pretty full loose gas on the on the road. It's a it's a pretty it's, loose, isn't it's it? It's pretty loose, and mm. uh, man, it had it had a lot of appeal. Like I wanted to be a part of that. The adrenaline, like, yeah, the adrenaline, mate, yeah, yeah, and just being the fastest. You know, it's a was that thing. what it was? Yeah, that. it was just being able yeah. to just just fucking beat people. You know, mm. they're your mates and all that, and it always ended at the pub without fail. So it was just a it was just a great time. So this is like street racing. Yeah, street racing. So like point pink to point. slips. Pink well, yeah, like that. But like <laughs> yeah, pink slip, mate. Point to point. Point to point racing. So yeah. Yeah, love it. Love bikes it. Have pink <laughs> slips? What do bikes have? Oh, I don't know, Derek. I don't know. Just mate, I'll take your bike lock. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. So the appeal of the street racing sort of got you got you going into that side of things. Absolutely. There must have been some massive stacks. Huge, huge. Dudes are always getting hit by cars or bloody running into stuff. You don't know anyone who pull up. Yeah, know anyone who died, got nah. killed doing it? Nah, I'm no, no, not personally. Like I've ended up on the roof of a couple of cars. That happens. <laughs> Elaborate. Um, oh, dude, I could tell you so many stories about crashing bikes. We'd be here all night. I had one. It was a good one just in West End. It was um, where were we? Not Cordelia Street. The one that goes the other way. It's like three lanes, four lanes, and it's all one way. And I was in the right-hand lane, just heading down because I was going to turn right onto Melbourne Street. And old mate's like two lanes over. To be fair, I was probably sitting back in his blind spot, so it's partly on me for not paying attention. But you know, I was still on the right. And um, old mate decides he wants to be in that that shed there, and he just chucked a swift right hander right in front of me. And before I even knew it, I was in his door on the roof. That was it. Just recently? No, nah, this is no. a while ago. Oh, now. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. This is a while ago. I now. wouldn't think it's recent. Did did you get pretty injured doing that? Nah, I was knocked about a bit, but I didn't I didn't break any bones or anything in that one. That was that was fine. Right. But um yeah. So street racing in London. What took you to London? No, no, that was what Rachel was doing. Oh, she yeah, was in yeah, she yeah. was in she London. She was in London doing okay. that. She was back in Brizzy. Oh, so she came back to Brizzy, right? Yep. Yep. And so it just went from there and then that crew that I met riding those bikes, they were into road bikes as well, like geared geared road bikes and so you can do more geared road bike than you can on a on a track bike on the street so i got into that and started you know doing mountains and coming down kutha and doing nebo and doing glorious and all these things and just got got strong you know over time and then the missus kind of hit me it's like you know you got a you got a big bum cam you could probably give give track racing a crack i reckon you'd be pretty good I'm like, all right i'll give it i'll give it a shot and a few other mates said yeah give it a shot so i joined a club and Ended up out at uh, Chandler Velodrome, which they built for the 80, 82 Com Games that they built that for. And just started training out there for a few years. And before I knew it, three or four years had passed. New Velodrome had been built and I got big and strong. And I went and 
went and took on mm, states. I did states in Brizzy, 2017. 17. Won that, won the Kieran. I was pretty happy with that. The guy that was coaching me at the time was just like, don't even worry about that. It's just a state meet, doesn't mean shit. We've got to go to Sydney. Went to Sydney, won that. Turns out the velodrome is across the road from the old Basil. Yeah, BMS I was going to say, I thought the velodrome was out there. It's right there, mate. Yeah, yeah, it's right across the road. So Always was, end up, you know, where your roots are. Man, hey? it was a really funny time, hey, just sitting there. And, like, we'd got the win for nationals, which is really hard. It was a really hard meet for me. And, uh, yeah, just come out the front and was just hanging out after the whole thing, just looking across the road to the VMX track. And it was a, yeah, it was a bit of a moment, you know, like I've come so far. But full circle. Full circle. Gone nowhere, come so far, yeah. How often are you cycling, uh, even now? Oh, so now I'm like, like we spoke earlier, I'm on, a, I'm, on a, I'm on a big break. I just got a bit, a bit tired of the, the hard, hard training all the time. So if we were in like, so say 2017, 2018, when I had those two really good years, um, I'd be doing like a recovery ride on a Monday morning. Um, track session Tuesday night so a really heavy track session of a Tuesday night Wednesday morning just get on the rollers and just turn the legs over gym Wednesday night rollers Thursday morning gym Thursday night really fast road ride Friday morning Saturday's rest day and then a big track session on the Sunday wow so it's a lot a lot mm. you know but you don't you don't need to do that know just to to burn the demons yeah you, you know you need to do that if you want to go and win world titles and and win national titles and whatnot but a, a, as of like now so i rode this morning coffee ride you know with a couple of blokes 30k there's a bit of that around brisbane the old coffee ride oh, isn't it but, but man it's the perfect thing like that's what i mean it's just as good as going out and and trying to go win medals you don't have to do that just getting out early see the sunrise you know what i mean you're with a couple of good people How's your weekend? What's going on? You'd be surprised what people will tell you on the bike when you're rolling, you know. And then you get to the coffee and it's all cash. You're ready, you're ready for your week and you might do, you know, an afternoon ride or a Friday or on the weekend. Like yesterday I was out, did a lot of dirt riding up over Nebo in preparation for a trip I got coming up. And it was just, there was like six of us on the ride. I only knew one other guy, but by the end of it I was, you know, I could turn up to any of these guys' houses, you know, because we'd, we'd shared this experience and we'd shared, like, we'd shared a struggle together, you know, getting up through those mountains and getting up those big hills and one of the dudes had a stack and one of the dudes got a flat and just, you know, going through that process with people is just bloody therapeutic. It's really good. It's awesome. It's mm. awesome. So you're a pretty big routine-type operator? Are you, are you a routine man? Um, yeah, I, I definitely get into routines. Um, I... I kind of do it like I do my lunch. Like I kind of get stuck in a, a really solid routine for say six months, and then I'm done with that, and I need I need something else. No more peanut butter. We're on to Vegemite, you know. <sighs> yeah. And, and then I'll run it like yeah. that, and then I'll run it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I do but routines, not, but variety. Variety, yeah. Routines for a, for a period of time, and then I just gotta I gotta cut change it. Change it over again. Yeah, change it right up. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Nice. Yep. So you touched on. 2017, 2018 being a couple of really big years for you. And we mentioned before how you got to a point, you know, after we'd identified that you had a fat ass, yep. that you started to take the training a bit more seriously and actually started to really get a bit of a hunger for some success with the cycling. Yep. So talk us through that, how that developed and in the lead up to 2017 and 2018. And then leading into some some pretty cool 
world titles. Yeah. So, um, yeah, leading up to 17s where we did the – so I won my first state titles and the and national titles. Um, prior to that, just training outside, there was this old guy, Jerry O'Connell, and um, anyone that's been around a bike track in Queensland will know Jerry O'Connell. was just this old hitter, legend of a dude, bloody strong old guy. Like, there's not many <laughs> – like, he'd thump almost anyone who turns up on the track on a pushy. Like How old are we talking? Oh, like 60? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Still get the bike up to sixty five k an hour. Like, wow! Yeah, he's a hitter. Yeah, so he took he took me on uh, and coached me, which was just bloody best thing that ever happened to me on the track because he was old school and just the way he did things. I really really resonated with me. We just really clicked as a you know protege and you know master kind of. So this is a bit of a bit of a role model. Absolutely, yeah, yeah someone yeah. to look up to, I suppose. Absolutely, and he was faster than me, man. This dude used to kick my ass when I was new at the track. He was the fastest. He was the fastest guy on a bike. That I knew, you know, and he was, he was old, he was not, he's not very old, but you know what I mean? <laughs> older. He's older, he's no spring chicken, mate, you know. So, he took me on, we did that, and then after, yeah, after we won stuff at 2017, he's like, mate, you gotta, if you can, you gotta keep going with this, you gotta, you gotta get into the gym more, you gotta, and, you know, do all facets of it, because I'm not a, I'm not a gym person, I don't, I don't want to go to the gym, I don't, I don't like the gym, it's not my scene, um, but he kind of showed me that if I went to the gym to do this purely for the purpose of, you know, putting that power on the bike. As an objective. That, as yeah. an objective, we're going to do this so you can go faster here. We're going to do this so you can push a bigger gear. If you can push a bigger gear, you can go around faster. And if you go around faster, you can beat that cat. Yeah? So I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I, I can take this on. And so he made these great programs for me. And just like a training program that I'd never seen before where we would target – you know, we would do three-month blocks of power and then three-month blocks of strength and then work on leg speed. And, and he had this, like, like this sawtooth kind of strategy where we would build a certain aspect and then move on to another aspect. And then by the time we'd gone through the three phases and started again, we were pegs higher than when we started, you know, six months ago or nine months ago. And so after doing that for a few years, he made me into someone that could compete on a world level. So... 17, yeah, Queensland and Nationals. Um, and then 18, we just we just worked our asses off, right? And there was a couple other guys. There was, like, the, the Queensland elite crew that were, you know, younger guys. But, um, you know, we were just as fast as them, and we were a lot older. So that was, you know, it was, it was always a really good little competitive scene to have us Masters guys trying to be as fast as our elite sprint crew as well, you know? So... There was no, there was no bad blood between us, but it was really good. It was like you know the state school versus the private school yeah, guys. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was just these two sides of the fence going at it, and that was brilliant. Um, so I ended up training with um, a guy named Paddy Winerow. You guys should get Paddy Winerow on here. Actually, he's 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 got an amazing story, many yeah. amazing stories. Yeah, anyway. wow. Um, so yeah, Paddy, and then this uh, another guy, Nathan Graves, who was on the elite team, but he's my age, right? And he's from a, an amazing cycling background high pedigree cycling family, brother's a world champion, mountain bike racer, just all-around hitters on the bicycle. So I was training for, not necessarily training for worlds, but just training to, you know, go another national title and, and, and do whatever I could do to, you know, beat whoever was going to turn up on the day. So the, my, my strength, I've got a, uh, they talk about Cam's got a good 500 metres. You know what I mean? There's guys who are starters and there's guys who are like, Kilo riders, they do a kilometre really, really well, and that's a that's a really high event 
in, in, in the sprinting world as far as bikes go, the four lap kilo, which is which is a horrible thing to do to yourself. Don't don't I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, about the worst thing you can do to yourself <laughs> on a bicycle, in my opinion. But um, the Paddy Winero was an amazing starter. Nathan Graves, amazing kilo rider, and they're like, Cam, well, you, you got a great five hundred. You're that you're that mid range, you know, big power. You don't get off the mark quick. You don't do it for four laps, but if there's two laps to go. Nine times out of ten, you're going to pump whoever you race. So is that it's 500 two laps? Is it 500 two laps? Oh. Yeah, two fifty meter track. Yeah, sorry, I should have said that. But We're um, feeling our way we, through we, it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll yeah. figure it out. So yeah, before I leave the details out, there's this event called the Team Sprint. Right, you get three big buffy sprinters. Cool. You line them up side by side on the track, and you can get another team, and they start on the halfway line on the other side of the track. Whistle goes off. You go. You fall in. So the first rider. Goes, Cam second, he falls in. Nate's third, he falls in behind. We do one lap, and then the rider one pulls up. That's his job done. Thanks for coming, all right? Then I've got to ride that second lap, and then I pull up, and then Nate, he comes through behind me, and he does the third lap, and that's the team sprint. They do it for women as well, but they only do it with two riders instead of three, yeah? Mm. So they said, hey, we've done the math, because they're, they're math kind of guys, and they said, with our, with our three strengths, I reckon we can go to LA and... I reckon we can win world title for the team sprint. Masters 35-45. Like, yeah, right. Let's, maybe we could have a go at this. And so that was maybe maybe four months out from the event. Like, we were all in full swing of training anyway, so we kind of... That's lucky. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, lucky in that respect. What wasn't lucky was the bloody... The, the, the cost of what the, it was going to, you know, financially to get us over there and, and to, to take this thing on. So, Paddy... Um, Paddy's a he's a hip surgeon, renowned hip surgeon up here. So he he hucked in a heap of cash to cover the accommodation for us. And my cycling club, Brisbane Cycling Club, are just a just an extended family really. And they they had a they they put on a keg one night and did all this fundraising for us and got a heap of money together. And um, yeah, we 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 got the cash. We bought the scraped it together. We scraped it together. Nice. And we went over there and bloody flogged them. So. That's awesome. That's a brilliant. So the three races of team. Mm. So that event that you guys won there was that was that the world record title? Yeah, or was yeah. that so that was and you're still the current world record holders for the Masters event in the team sprint. Correct. How long did that record stand for that you smashed? Before, yeah, I was like 15 years or something. Wow. I stood. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. It was a long-standing record, and it was we took it off a couple of other Aussies who still race. And they were, they were, I think they were pretty happy for us. They were the first ones to come around and congratulate us. If your us. world record is going to be broken, at least it's by your own countrymen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you went over to LA, did you only went for the one event, right? No, so that's what I was getting at. I went, I went for the team sprint. That was my job, right? Man two, team sprint. But they had the individual sprint as well. So I entered that and I had to race against Nath, who was in, in the same bracket as me. And um, we ended up in the final against each other. True. Yeah, for the Nath title. off your team. Yeah, man three, Nathie Grave. So the day before that, or two days before that, sorry, Nath is a kilo rider. He can ride four laps, full gas, because he's an animal. Um, he won that, right? And then we had sprint two days later, which went for two days. Um, I ended up against Nath in the final. He pumped me 2-0, because Nath is just stronger than me, right? But that was that was gravy for me, because I'd, I'd come in and walked away with a silver medal. Had no expectations, you know what I mean? I was just there for the team sprint. And then, and then the next day we had the, the teamy, and we won that as well. So Nath went away with three rainbow jerseys, 
I come away with a medal and a jersey and a record, and, and Paddy come away with with his jersey and a and a record as well. So you guys killed it. We smoked it. It was it was it was great. And, and, and funnily enough, like we we finished that, and and Nath pointed out like none of us had any desire to go back. We were just you done totally satisfied. Yeah. yeah, right. So that's interesting. So once you've gone through it, so did you plan on going in those individual events hmm. when you went over? Yeah, I was so always going to go. You're always going to go yeah. in them. So once you've been in it, you've done it, you've exceeded your goals. What's that feeling like? So you obviously felt accomplished. You didn't feel like there was anything else to do. No, it was it was mission accomplished. We'd done it. We'd been working together, you know, for something for a, you know a fair whack of time. Like we said, put ourselves in the bin a lot. You know, when you do these kind of efforts, it's not uncommon to be down on the track having a spew and then. Have a 20-minute sit and get up and do it again. Then get up and do it again, you know. And it's just the only way to do it. That's how it works. Lovely. Yeah. So, yeah. and the other boys the same. They felt accomplished, feel like they've ticked their box. And Mate, Paddy never took his bike out of the box when we got back. He just left it in the box. That it? It was done. Hasn't, yeah. hasn't been on it again or what? No, no, no. Just a, that'll, that'll do. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Nice. So, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about how this has sort of helped you out with your mental health. Sure. So how has cycling enhanced or, or helped with looking after your own your own health? Mate, en- en- endlessly, to be honest. Um, the term I use all the time is I, I, I use riding the bike to burn the demons, you know. It's, it's, it's free. You can go out there and you can completely, you know, bin yourself or you can go out there and completely relax and just go for a ride and just be alone with your thoughts and, you know, just process things, you know. So in terms of how's it been for my mental health, it's it's been it's been invaluable. Um we had a we had a chat the other day, Dan, about like I remember specifically as, you know, as a younger kid, there'd be a lot of fighting at home and I'd just go and I'd grab the skatey or I'd grab my pushy and and I wasn't about going to the skate park and trying to, you know, do tricks or do jumps or anything. I'd just sort of take it down to the the bike path and and just flog it as hard as I could go for as far as I could go until I was completely exhausted and I just it just made me feel better you know I didn't I didn't know that I was doing it for you know my mental health I just knew that it that made me outlet. feel better man yeah, yeah it was yeah. just an outlet you know and so I would do that and then my mum sort of kind of she she caught on and you could you could ask her why is he good at bikes and she'll say because he used to go and flog himself up and down the bloody bike path every afternoon for two or three hours because it just made him feel better, you know. He was either grumpy or he was a hothead or we were fighting or, or whatever. It didn't matter. Yeah. You know, it's just her observation that that's what worked. So there was never any problem if I wanted to go and disappear on the bike or the skatey for as long as it took. I just would go do it. Funny now as well, like kids go through all sorts of stuff at home, similar sorts of stuff, but they're, for the most part their outlet is video games or, totally. or like maybe yeah. not such, you know, physically healthy yep. outlets like that. Yep. And it's almost a different generation. It's a completely different approach to being able to handle the shit, basically, when you when you get dealt it. 100%. 100%. So um, I like that in terms of, you know, an outlet. Everyone needs an outlet, right? Man, you have to have it. And I, I feel really lucky, and, and, and Brody and I have spoken about this, that... I, I feel really lucky that I've been able to find something that I know works for me, and it also happens to be something that it turns out I'm pretty good at, you know. So and you enjoy, and I enjoy. So I'm, I'm, I feel lucky in a way that I found that, you know what I mean. And a lot of people, 
I probably will never find it. You know what I mean? But I think it's just a matter of going out there and, and having a crack at these things and, and seeing what, what does it for you. And once you find something, like just stick with it. Yeah. Have a crack. So, yeah. Quadzi, uh, you've got the missus, got a couple of kids. How many kids you got? I've got three kids. Three kids. Yeah. And what are their names again? Uh, Aubrey, Finn, India. Right. And is Finn the one that was crook? Finn is the one that was crook, yeah. So run us run us through that. All right. So Finn Finn's the middle one. He's he, he's ten years old now. Um, he was diagnosed with cancer at eighteen months of age. Tell us tell us about the day that you found that out. Like what? What? Oh man. Yeah, yeah. I can. I can picture it perfect. Same as as you'd expect. Um, I think what was funny, not funny at all, actually, but <laughs> the way I know what the, you mean. The way it came yeah. about. Yeah, the way it came about. He had um. He just seemed to have a lot of issues for a long time. He had like this little, like a bloated belly, like a real podge for a lo- you know, for ages, mate, you know. And um, that milk gut. Yeah, that milk gut. And he just didn't need it. He should have grown out of it by now, you know. And um, the missus was just constantly onto it. Like, this is not right. We've got to go to a doc. And we go to the doc and be like, oh, it's constipation. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And I don't know how long we spent. Like, I don't know how many people we saw. Right, they told us, no, nah, no, nah, it's nothing. No, nah, it's this, it's, it's, it's fine. Just, you know, just keep on trucking on. And she just persisted, you know. She just she just knew there's something wrong. Something's not right, you know. They shouldn't be doing this. So we were down in Newcastle at my dad's place for Christmas. And uh, same deal, he was super uncomfortable. You could never get the kid in the car seat, you know what I mean? He was always super uncomfortable and, and wriggling around. And that's like the go-to if you're a parent and you've got a you know, screaming little kid. You chuck him in the car, do a lap and... I'll pass it out. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have that, you know. He just he hated being in the car. He'd scream the whole way home from the coast, you know. It was just the worst. Anyway, so we um took him to the doctors in Newcastle. Same old deal. Give him, you know, give him some um, laxatives or whatever. I'm like, this is not the go. This kid's empty and his belly's sticking out. Something's wrong, you know. So anyway, we came, came home, straight to the hospital from the airport, sat in there and, and, and Rachel basically said, we're not leaving until you guys stick your bloody, stick whatever you got to put in him, put him under a bloody CAT scan, whatever you got to do until you find out what's going on because something's wrong and we're not leaving until you do it, you know. So anyway, we were there all night and then um, I remember specifically, they're like, okay, we've got to go and we'll do it. We'll do a little ultrasound, right? And there was, um, there were two younger they were younger doctors, whether they were fully qualified doctors or what, I don't know. But um, I remember, man, they were doing the, you know, like we've all seen an ultrasound, mm-hmm. you know, they do it. They were doing that and, then, and, it's, and it's, all, it's all dark, you know, what they're doing. And there was this like, you know, just like a white kind of sprawly bit. And they stopped on that and went back to it. And I just remember, man, they both just chin up and just looked at each other. Like they totally just mm. saw something. And holy know? shit. Yeah, and just went, oi, go get whoever you got to get. Anyway, this doctor came back and then he saw it and, and within two seconds he was like, right, no problems. Come this way, Dad. Took me for a sit and like, oh, we've got to go chuck him in for an MRI. I'm like, okay, cool. So they, they went and chucked him in the MRI, put him under the general, did the whole bit, come out and by now it's like whatever hour it is in the morning. They're like, we hate to tell you this, but your boy's got cancer. Yeah, that was... Fucking, fucking hell. Well, changed, mate. Just just then. What was that feeling? What was that? What what? Oh, it's rank. I'm getting the shivers now. It's just fucking horrible, mate. It's the worst thing. Just ever. hollow, hollow, mate. Misses just collapsed on the floor. You know, thinking the worst. 
oh yeah, what do you what 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 do you think? You know, and uh, it just went from there. I remember we left. Um, this was at uh, where were we? We would have been at the Mata Children's before they did a lot of the Renos, and um, before it was the Lady Salano Mata Mata Children's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, I remember like yeah, we're gonna admit you tonight. So they sent us over to um the the Children's Hospital over near the Ecca, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, in the Ambo, middle of the night, called, you know, had to call mum, had to call dad, and, you know, it's fucking, the world's falling apart, you know? Mm. And, uh, yeah, man, I remember we got to this, they put us in this hospital room, and um, I was on, like, one of those weird chairs, and I remember, like, sun coming blaring in in the morning, right? And um, there was someone else in the room with us, and I didn't realise, and they had some, like, Christian radio, just prayer channel on the radio and i'm not i'm not i'm not you know a religious person at all but it just fucking hit me like fuck here we are you know in the bloody the bad ward of mm. the kids hospital mm. and, and people are waking up listening to bloody praying praying mm. from dusk till dawn that's hectic that's what's going on now this is your life so yeah we pretty much lived in that hospital for three months we lived there, didn't move, stayed there constantly. They wouldn't let us sleep in there. Like, mum was allowed to stay, but you couldn't have two people in the room. But the nurses are real nice, so I had a bit of a camp mat. And I just used to chuck the camp mat in the toilet and just sleep in the toilet next door, and they were pretty cool with that, and that was all right. So we did that, but, um, yeah, so they did more scans, and they just, um, he had, um, they call it a sacrococcygeal teratoma. Holy um, hell, that's a mouthful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've you got that bundle. pretty well down pat, though, yeah, don't you? bundle that up. Fucking, I've got to tell him that every time I go to the hospital, but, and I'm like, why do you make me say this? You've got it written there, mate. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> just, why? This why? is his birthday. This is his yeah. <laughs> middle name. I don't need to put that <laughs> last bit in there, do Totally. Me? What's he allergic to? Fucking platelets. <laughs> yeah, so, and anyway, so they did the scan, and they're like, yeah, they they said this is bad, mate. He's he's riddled. So the sorry, the sacrococcygeal teratoma. It's like a they, they call it a yolk sac tumor. It's basically a big ball of, of fucking badness, all right. And that was on the on the inside of his uh, of his pelvis, right. So they talk about that as a as a as a, a type three or a stage three. I don't want to use the word stage. I think it's a type three. Mm-hmm. So you got like skin cancers are a type one because you can see them. Right, and so a breast cancer would be a type two because you can't see it, but you can feel, feel it. it. Yeah, and then you got a type three, which is where you can't see it and you can't feel it. So it's really hard to diagnose. Yeah, which is why we went through all that crap for so long. Right, and because it had gone for so long, the thing you know they said the thing was bigger than a tennis ball, and it had already spread, and he had you know spotting like you know cancer spotting, and it was it was all up in his lungs, and it was it was fucking all through him, and they're like, mate, he's not gonna. He's not going to make it, you know. Is that what they told you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kidding me. Nah, I'm not kidding you. Yeah. He did, but. So yeah, like, the, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the story <laughs> turns out pretty well, but, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. know that at the time, you don't obviously. Know that at the time, no, no. And, and you, um, he's the middle, right? Yeah. And so you've got an older. Yep. So, uh, was it older boy? Older girl. Older girl. Younger boy. Younger boy. Yeah. So, was they both, they the younger boy wasn't born yet, right? No, 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 no. So how's big, how's big Sis going? Big Sis is good, mate. Big Sis is... Um, how was Big Sis going at then, that time? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, it was funny. So India, 
is from a previous relationship. She's much older. Indy's finishing school. This is a spin out. You ready for this? So I got one yeah, boy yeah. in prep, and, and my daughter's in grade twelve. So one's leaving school. One's starting. And one's coming into ah, okay, school. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Indy's always lived away with her mum. That's always been a pretty good situation. Right, she comes and goes. Same as you know, everyone else comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's all pretty under control. Aubrey's obviously not around yet, and um, yeah, we're living living the hospital life. So what's the next steps after that? After that diagnosis, you've been told it's not looking good. Terminal. Yep. Yep. Potentially terminal. Yeah, that's what they tell you. So, yeah. where do you start preparing f- for that to be the case? What was their timeline looking like at that stage? Oh, we didn't really. I don't know that we got a timeline. We might have, and I'm the first one to admit, and I really notice it when we go through the stories, like when Rachel's present and we talk about stuff, and like I might relay something, and she'll be like, "No, no, no, that's not what happened at all," and vice versa. You know, I think we both really just. High stress just, situation, just blanket blocked yeah. things from the memory, yeah. whether it was intentional or not. There's just things. Oh, if that you're you don't sanity. Remember. yeah, totally. Like, how are you going to deal? You mm. know. Mm. So I don't, I don't recall them giving us a timeline, but I remember saying, didn't really matter. Didn't matter, mate. No, no, no. It was just like, so what do we? I just remember going, so what do we do? What's the, what's next? That's the male, male yeah, objective. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What do we do? It's yeah. like, oh, we've got to get you over this hospital. I'm like, yeah, that's the, that's that's cool. That's you guys. Like, yeah. What do we yeah, do? Yeah. yeah. Do we have surgery? Do we do we do the Radiation, like, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how cancer works. I haven't had to deal with this before. Mm. What's the go? Mm. And we're like, well, we've got to, first of all, we've got to give you a whole bunch of chemo and try and shrink it down. All right. They do that successfully. They shrink it down um, to get it to an operable size is the idea. Um, we, we've got the most amazing sur- amazing surgeon in um, Craig Bride, who's um, just been with us like to this day we still see him when we've got to go for our appointments we see craig and um craig's a real advocate as well if he's ever got a young doctor in there and i give him massive props for this he's like there's two things you got to know one look at these guys they're bearded tattooed well missy doesn't have a beard but <laughs> you know bearded tattooed you know regular joe people right but she knew that something was wrong mum knew mm. So next time some mum's in here and she's a first time mum doing first time mum things, maybe she's just threatened. just neck up yep. and listen to her. Yeah. Yeah. Mother's intuition. Mother's intuition, man. And he doesn't have to do that. He's some big shot surgeon, you know, but he always takes the time to point that out and he always takes the time to make sure he sees us. He doesn't he doesn't get us an intern to see us because it's that twelve monthly visit or whatever. Craig's there, you know. It's I guess that's interesting point because this is probably another topic, but the healthcare system is so overrun, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And people coming in and out of emergency all the time with different sorts of complaints and this, that and the other. I would imagine that young doctors are seeing shit all the time and they're like, oh, here we go again. Like totally. This is another time waster. We've got, you know, these people over here bleeding out or this person coming in an ambulance and we've got yeah, old, old, you know, whatever, you know, a family coming in with a kid with, you know, constipation. Right, yeah, and they're like, I'd imagine that that would be happening all the time. Totally, it's got to be a really a, a tough gig. I don't, I don't envy it. I'm mm. not. That's why I don't do it, mate. I'll yeah, s- <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with the colours and shapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys can deal with that. So how, yeah. how how did you manage? You know, how did how did you and your missus manage it? You know, your own sanity. How did you work through it? You know, were you you know we openly talking to each other about how you were feeling? Were you, you know, how did you did you cope through that period? Oh. I think um, I think a lot of it is just it's just it's like you said, it was like there was like a new routine and 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 we just live by 
that hospital routine um, and that kind of got us by. There was just, it was just the next, we got to get to surgery. We got to surgery. We got to get to this, you know, treatment. Whatever the next thing is in front Whatever of the you. Next we just got to get to that. We just got to get to that. And they're like, right, so now we're going to do six months of treatment and you're going to be, and you're going to be in and out. And so we just dealt with that. In terms of dealing with it together, it was, it was, a, it was fucking hard. It was a, it was a massive struggle. You know, it's a lot of, um, well, you just, you can't deal, number one, you know. Um, it's And it, it's kind of human nature that people want to, people want to not, blame is a bad word, it's not what I'm trying to get at, but people want to go, it's because of that. It's it's that's fault and you, you want to be able to pass it off on that, you know what I mean? And when there's no fault, it, if it's just... Well, you're trying to figure out why. Why, mate? And, and that's just the hand you were dealt, but that doesn't help you. That doesn't help you process anything when it's just the hand you were dealt. So inevitably, um, you're going to fight with your partner, yeah? And uh, that, that happened. It happened a lot, you know what I mean? And it was fucking completely irrational, you know? But the whole situation was irrational. I remember at one time, we you know, we'd been at each other for whatever it was. It, it was not clearly nothing important. It was just, you know, it was just a bad day, you know? And we were just having a tough time. And there was a there was a parents' lounge, like down the other end of the hall, and they had a, a heap of fold out beds out there, and it was it was, it was pretty cool. Like when eventually I got kicked out from sleeping in the toilet, I would go and sleep out in the, in this parents' lounge, and there'd be all these other dads just sleeping out in the parents' lounge, just just hanging out. And um, I was there one day, and the nurse was just coming past. We were chummy with the nursing staff. They were just incredible. They were so lovely. But one of the one of the chicks grabbed me one day, and she goes, "Just don't worry about." bingling she goes just one thing she goes at some point or another the the wives always blame the husband for the kid having cancer she goes it's not you <laughs> you didn't fucking do it clearly she goes but it just happens it happens to every single person that comes through these doors it's just a coping mechanism so don't take it personal yeah she's struggling you're struggling just well i guess forward, not only is know? it a high stress situation but i would imagine that the overwhelming emotion would be fear. Yeah. Oh, and obviously. Not having a fucking clue what's going not, on. Not yeah. having a clue. Yeah. And like, people act irrationally when they're scared, right? It's yep. perfectly normal, yep. I guess, reaction. Yeah, totally. So it was good you had the other dads there. I like to, you know, that's probably like a bit of support when you end up in a room like that. Yeah, it was. And we had chickens at home. So I had, um, I had the access to the good eggs and the good food. Excuse me. So, <laughs> I, I remember cracking a couple of eggs, making bloody you know eggs on toast. For you a go, of boys, out the back, but they were bright yellow. And there was this one day, I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> where do you get these eggs from, mate? <laughs> I was like, they're my eggs, you know. And then we made friends, you know, that, that just because you know stuff like that. Well, that would have been a huge support in itself. It was wonderful. It was yeah. wonderful. Just hanging in the kitchen, just just being somewhere else other than in your room. You know what I mean? Just being somewhere else and just having just just to talk about someone about something other than bloody cancer. Was there was there support networks there for you know parents going through that stuff? Because like I've you know I've never been involved in anything like that. Like what is there? Not that I recall. Well, like, I mean, there's I suppose now, but was there wouldn't have been Ronald McDonald House back then, what or was, was there? I saw a lot. The one the one place we did get support from was from a it was called Red Kite. Oh yeah. yeah. I've heard of Red Kite. Yeah, yeah, Red Kite. They, 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 um, they gave us like a really big, you know, like a big like a hamper and a bag and a, and a bunch of like super useful stuff. Um, yeah, they totally helped. They helped actually. Actually, they helped financially because we were in there for so long and just things like 
bills would come, yeah, and they they were more than happy to cover bills. You just send them the bill, and they just pay it, stuff yeah, right. like that. So that 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 happened, and that helped. Obviously, awesome. we got a lot of support. Like my dad came up, and um, Rachel's mum lives in New Zealand, so she was over from New Zealand, and so everyone was up and around us and helping. There was us a support it. network. Oh yeah, there. absolutely. Like the family was of a huge support. Like you know, you couldn't do it without them. Mm. No, I'm just I'm just interested, as in you know, like people talk. Mates that have had kids and stuff, they're just like, oh, well, you're just giving the kid, and then they're like, well, there's a the door. And you're just like, you're just at home, yeah. and now you've got a kid. No instruction, mate. Yeah, it's yeah. like, there's no, yeah, <laughs> A to Z on how to keep this kid going, you know? So I, I, I was just wondering if there was something, you know, you found out your kid's got terminal cancer. There's not some sort of sit-down, run-through, this is what the deal is. It's sort of just like, we've got to get him to surgery, or we've got to radiation, or, you know. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Look, so, yeah, base, basically, look, like, there was no, like, you know, First time mothers course for yeah. first time cancer sufferers or anything like that. There were certain things that they were super clear about that that you had to know. Like um, if you like if you just had a chemo treatment and and so chemo talks about a range of, of, of drugs that they will give you in liquid form. Yeah. Um, once once you've had them, depending on what you had, you are what they call cytotoxic, which means that everything comes out of you is toxic. Right. Radi- radio, like radio. Well, I don't. I, no, I'm not. I'm not going to be able to yeah, explain yeah, yeah. this right. But it's bad. Yeah. Right. Good. So the vomit's bad. The poo's bad. The wee's bad. So they're very clear about that. And and kids, you know, and I imagine will get can get very sick and vomitous after having chemotherapy. Right. So if they start to vomit, they're like, you can't get this on you, or, or you're going to end up crook as well. And don't let anyone else get it on you. Right. So stuff like that. Or you would be um, immune suppressed. So the chemo kills everything, including all the good stuff in you as well, mm. right? So that makes you Im- immune suppressed. So for X amount of time after treatment, there was no going down the shops with the with the little guy. You just yeah. you can't have him in that environment. You can't yeah. have him at the park. You can't have him at the beach. My, my missus will tell you, mate, we went to the beach. And I, remember, I remember the first time we took him to the beach after all of this, we got him out of the car and he went down there and he just started bawling and like hiding because he just, he just never heard the wind, you know, and never never felt it, you know what I mean? It was just this strange, just this overwhelming mm. overload. Mm. And we just realised like, oh my God, he's just never experienced any of this because he's been bloody wrapped up in... Cotton wool for so long. How long was he in hospital for? Well, we lived there for three months, weren't allowed to leave. And then, um, we, so we probably, maybe about halfway through that, maybe a month. And then probably after that three months, we did six months of, of chemo treatments. Shit. Yeah. So, you know, there's nine. And then from there, you, you're back constantly. Every two weeks, you're back in the hospital, and then that goes out to monthly, and then six monthly, and then yearly, you know. But you still got to go in for. So he's had a milestone, probably maybe maybe just a year ago. He had to he had to have MRIs all the time because that's the only way they can really scan an area accurately to see if there's anything fucking bad in there, right? But um, they have to be perfectly still. So you, you go get a seven year old to lie perfectly still for forty minutes. Mate, I can't lie perfectly still for forty minutes. So every time they went in for an MRI, they had to um they had to give him a, a general sedate him. Yeah, and that's bad. You don't want to be giving kids generals all the time, you know. So the milestone for him is that the last two or three, he's he's like, no, nah, I can do this. I can I can lie still. And so basically, over that forty minutes, they'll do like a twelve minute sit, 
a 20 minute sit and then you know whatever the change is at the end you know so he can lie still for you know 12 minutes and then he can have a bit of a wriggle you know and then do the next section of it Mm. and it's just brilliant because one you don't have to put him under you don't have all of that coming coming out of the general and all of that recovery that you got to do afterwards and then they're all groggy and crook and yada 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 so Wow, leaps and bounds. That's what crazy. A, what, mate. A, what a what That's a crazy. process. Was there a point in time, like after the when the treatment started, chemo and whatnot, mm. shrink the tumor down? Was there a point where there was an operation to cut out? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that was and that was Craig. Craig did that operation. Okay, righto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how big was that? Well, once they shrunk it, no, no. In terms of as a procedure, the actual having the tumor cut out like that you know yeah well it was it's a pretty serious procedure one because um that's that type of tumor is particularly rare Mm. um craig tells us that finn's actually been a case study for treating this type of tumor because he's one of the very very few people in the world who actually survive it wow almost none have so that probably helps us with getting the, the good treatment from What a there. resilient little bugger. He's a he's a he's a little shit. He's amazing, man. He's, <laughs> a, he's such a hitter, that kid. He really yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So once you got through that operation and then nine months, you know, and all that sort of stuff, is there a point in time where it was like, Yep, he's good? Oh. Or he's clear or like is there a point in time, I guess, for you, you know, as a father, where it's like, We're out of the woods. Yeah. Um, yes and no. The, I think that there is a there is a significant point in time. Unfortunately, we missed it because of the the hospital changeovers, right? But during your whole process, and it's a really cool thing they do for the kids. They've got um they've got basically like these little chimes or charms rather I should say charms chimes, chimes. yeah charms and, and it makes a bracelet right and so through all these significant points during you know your recovery process you get one you get a chime or charm bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> Have a go. You get a charm for the certain different things. And once you get to the end, you got all the charms, you get to ring this bell, right? And that, that signifies that, that you're good, you know, your, your, your treatment's over. Yeah. We missed the bloody bell because it was in between the the royal children's and the lady Salento. We had to do the, the hospital swap right. during treatment. So we missed that, but... I guess that kind of answers your question. There yeah. is that point in time where you ring the bell and that's it. You still got to go back and do your checkups and they do your they do your bloods and check your alpha feta proteins because that's like a, a significant marker of whether you have cancer or not. Your alpha feta protein. Levels. So that's just a blood test. It's just a blood test. Yeah, and if you got if you got like up to I'll never get this right, but it's a low number. It's like because it's white blood 50. cells, eh? That's Some, what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's a marker in it, and it's like less than fifty. I think. I think, and someone's going to pull me up on this, and that's okay. It's like if you've got like fourteen to twenty, you're good, right? Finn had like two and a half thousand or something Ooh. was his register when they first did his bloods. So how this is what? Like, how did they not pick it up earlier when you were taking him in? They there? weren't testing for it. They weren't taking bloods. Well, it doesn't matter if they're taking bloods. Well, they like, they could take bloods that. off you tomorrow, but they're yeah. not testing alpha feta proteins. Right. They're not looking for how many. Milky bars you ate last week. They're just they're just not looking for it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it just goes by. So what what was one of the biggest things you've you learnt through that whole process? Like I don't know, either about you or just the you know human resilience or you know what what was a, a, a big thing that you took out of that part of your life? Was it just the entire roller coaster of 
emotions that you finally get through. Yeah, I think, um, and, and I've, I've put my foot in it once or twice too, but I, I've ended up with this saying, well, especially at work, if things are going pretty bad and things are, you know, it's all up to shit and it's not working out, I'll just be like, don't worry, guys, no one's going to die, you know? And it's not it's not true for everyone, you know what I mean? And it's, and it's probably an, an unfair thing to say in a lot of respects, but, like, from, from this person's point of view, like, that person's going to die, you know? And, and all of this... Mate, no one's going to die. Just just don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get it done. We'll figure it out. But mm. at the end of the day, it's going to be all right. Yeah. You know? So I think that's one thing I've taken away from it. Like, I think I'm able to, better able to uh, decipher what does and doesn't matter, you know? That's a good place to be, I guess, it's for you. You're talking your perspective. Mm. And this whole experience has given you some real perspective. And totally. Allowed you to reevaluate. Yeah, absolutely everything. What totally. actually matters, all that sort of stuff, yeah. which is an awesome place to get to. It is. It is. It, it it's yeah, and and it's a privilege. Like I know a lot of I know a lot of parents that that, that didn't that didn't leave that hospital with their kids, and we and we saw that happen. You know, so that's why I say like it, 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 I feel shit saying it sometimes. You know, when I think about you know some of the people that we met along the way, but at the same time, it's exactly what you're saying. Like it's 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 an amazing amount of perspective to be able to have i think the other thing i took away with it and i kind of i like to treat my day-to-day as much as i can with this kind of take is man anything can happen anything could happen like we we were we were we were swimming on a beach in newcastle that morning and we were we were in a terminal ward in a hospital that night yeah you know mate anything can happen on any day of your life Enjoy it while it's good. Enjoy the moment while it's all while it's all going great. Yeah, that's so it, hey. you mentioned he's a little shit. Tell us, yeah, yeah tell yeah. us about him now. How's a little oh, shit going man. now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a shit. He's got a, he's got a temper. Um, he had all his hair lopped off for that. Um, I saw that. Cure. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was super cool. But he has super long hair because his mum just wouldn't let him cut it. So that was all right. He looked like a bit of a surfy punk. So did he lose his hair during all the all the treatment? Oh and that yeah, sort of stuff? yeah, yeah. And all the hair come out, and then he's growing it out. Yep. Yeah. yeah, cool. And it was long, like long, long. It was horrible. I don't miss it one bit. It was the worst thing to try and brush. Yeah, wow. <laughs> oh, man. Well, what about him? Like, obviously he knows what he's been through, but does he know the gravity of it all? Like, he's, Yeah, he gets it. And he, look, he's got to deal with it on a day-to-day basis. Like, he's not he's not out of this scot-free. Um, he's got, you know, ongoing, you call them toileting issues, if you will, because of where the surgery was and it was pretty intrusive. So there's a lot of things that um, he needs to deal with and we need to deal with still to this day. But um, it's not going to kill him, you know. It's not great, but yeah. it's not going to kill him and it'll be all right. And he understands that. And um, he's got a really good group of friends around him that, that maybe they don't fully understand the gravity of, of what's happened to him, but they know that he has these issues that he has to deal with and it's because of, you know, the sickness that he had and then they're all totally on board. He's got this great little mate, Hass, who had leukaemia and he's come he's come out the other end. So, you know, they got to they got to bond on that and they share that in common and then in turn we bonded with his parents and now we're, you know, we're, you know, super chummy and yeah. I mean you wouldn't even know, but it happens to a lot of people. Did he he and Hass met after they just met through It'll, school. Through, at school yeah, right they just right. met through school. Yep. I think we met at like a shave for a cure thing. Yeah, and cool. Just, and just got to talking. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It is awesome. And his 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 dad, um, he's a hairdresser. He runs his own little salon. He's a bit of a hitter, and he's like a third generation hairdresser. But he's a bit of a muso as well. Right? Cool. 
So whenever they do the um the shave for a cure days at school, he gets his band in and they get the bongo drums and they turn it into this big bloody like a last of the Mohicans. <laughs> They're scalping kids and <laughs> throwing hair, and it's like it's a big, it's a big bloody show. Really? Like they make, yeah, they make a big Bit deal of out of it. Yeah, that's man, fun it's, though, it's, right? It's super fun, yeah. and all the kids are like, "Cut it!" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. Wow. And so I guess the whole cancer thing. I've personally, I've never had anyone in my family go through it. I've had friends who have, and I've witnessed it. You know, mm. sort of as bad as it can get, but. I, don't, I feel like cancer sufferers, you, whilst, whilst you might get in remission, go into remission, yeah, you're sort of the, never completely out of the woods or always, you know, potentially fearful that this could come back at yeah. any time. Yeah, mate, that's pretty much how it works. I think you just got to be on your guard if you've, if you've had it and you've been lucky enough to be cleared. That's bloody great. Congratulations. And you just got to, you just got to be on it. You just got to try and do the right thing by yourself. Eat the right foods, go for a walk or do what, just do what you got to do to look after yourself and keep yourself in good nick. So when all that was going down, we were talking a lot about the cycling earlier. Was there any, Mm. was there any cycling, any sort of, you know, getting rid of the demons and using that as an outlet during that, going through that stuff for you? Oh, no, not really, not during that time, just everything got sidelined. Everything on the sidelines. Everything, everything got sidelined, work, everything, just Mm. everything got shelved. Mm. But, um, you know, after that, definitely, definitely the cycling helped with um, burning the demons and probably just processing as well, you know what I mean, and just, just talking to people about it and... Or having them talk to you about it, I think was I think that's another that's another really good side of it is if is if when someone is struggling, having having been through something super tough, you're able to to relate, resonate, you know what yeah. I mean, and then and, and tell them that you yeah you understand or you can um, sympathise and whatnot, and it, it it helps them, you know. I think there's a lot of probably a lot of parents out there going through a variety of different things, you know, obviously. When you're a parent, your kids are like the biggest worry in your life. Mm. Going through what you went through, are there things that people can say to you or not say to you that are better or worse when someone's going through something like that? For instance, if someone was to say to you, oh, it'll be all right, like where at the time you're maybe not thinking that it's going to be okay, like did you find that people could say the wrong or the right thing to you? Uh, look, I, I personally didn't find that. Um I'm pretty. I don't know. Like I know what people mean, mm. and I'm not gonna take it personal. Or, or I'm feeling, you know, particularly grumpy today, so I'm just gonna bite your head off because <laughs> I can. You know, I'm not. No, no. I, I, I never did that. I, I totally would understand if someone did it, but you know, and um, I guess probably saw it with like maybe I saw it a bit with Rachel. Like people would say it was okay, and she's like, I just don't don't want to hear people say it's okay anymore. Like mm. it's bloody not okay. You know, so, but that's okay. That's, you just got to be understanding. It isn't okay. She's not lying. So just maybe spare me the, it's okay for a couple of yeah. days, mate. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'd be great. Just like if you could go and maybe get us a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be okay. Or some, fresh, some, or some fresh chicken eggs. Just, yeah, mate, just some food. Any, just food, you know. <laughs> that's the worst thing about those hospitals, man, is the food. You can't, no one can get better eating that stuff. It's a problem. Yeah, well, yeah. Mate, it's an incredible story. It must be. I guess yeah. As I say, Finn's obviously quite resilient, and as a parent, you've been through a fair bit of a fair bit of stuff. So it's probably going to toughen you up for when he turns sixteen and starts kissing girls. And yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting up to no good and going to parties and all that sort of stuff, I suppose, right? Yeah, totally. I'm starting to deal with that with the eldest, Indy. I met the, I met the boyfriend for the first time recently. How was that? Oh, it was fine. He, he's a bloody apprentice plumber. Just strong arm him? <laughs> hey, no. Shirt front? I didn't get to spend enough time there, unfortunately. No, I would have liked to. Did you race him on the bike? Mate, let's go. I'm going to burn yeah. you. Yeah. Pump him. Yeah, for mate. a pedal. <laughs> bloody cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> CFA, you can go. Yeah, mate. Unreal. Awesome, mate. Well, um... What do you reckon? I think that's about us. What do you reckon? Don't look at dinner, mate. Don't look at dinner. Appreciate awesome. your time, Quadzi. Good oh, story, mate. Pleasure, mate. It's bloody Thanks unbelievable. For us. Thanks yeah. for coming in, mate. Yeah, appreciate it. Cheers, Craig. You've been listening to Trademarks 120 Grit Podcast. To watch it online, head to www.trademark.com. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at Trademark. Thanks for listening.